Welcome to Broad and Walnut. I'm your host, Michael Gorman. We are brought to you today by Run Avalon. RunAvalon.com. Go to their website, check out their gear, buy some. It is the best workout gear in the business. You will look great. You will look thin. Let's be honest, that's the most important thing in the world. You will look great and thin and go buy some of their apparel, runavalon.com. Okay, on the pod today is Teddy Sirius. You may not know his name, but you definitely know his bar and restaurants. He's the owner of Brew, Uban, Finn McCool's, Cinder, Uptown Beer Garden, and soon-to-be Trademans. I say at the beginning of the interview that he is the nicest guy in the business. I should also add he's the hardest working You will learn all about his story, starting at age 13, working three jobs all throughout high school, eventually leading up to uh, the age of 20, buying Finn McCool's. It's just a remarkable story. He's a remarkable person, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Hey, Teddy Sirius, how are you? Good. Welcome to Broad and Walnut. Thanks for having me. Uh, I just got to tell my audience, before we get started, I, I meet and know a lot of people in the bar and restaurant business, and you are probably the nicest guy I've come across. I mean that sincerely, <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because you're here. I, I don't think it's a mistake that you own bars and restaurants. I, I really kind of think that's what you should be doing, interacting with people. Um, it seems very natural for you, and you're always uh, really, really good to people, and I appreciate you doing this interview with us. It means a lot to us. me. No, that means a lot. You're a little bit different than other guys in the city. I always see you at all of your places yeah. working hard. Yep, absolutely. You have to. In this business, you have to. Really? You have to be everywhere. You can't um, just stand by and expect all your employees to to um, to make money for the restaurant, for the business itself. You want to kind of lead by example. And, you know, it's funny. I um, The other day, I was in the back of a, a brew. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. And I saw I was they were bringing tables back in. And I saw gum underneath the table, and I hate when people put gum underneath the tables. So I went inside the kitchen, I got a scraper, I started scraping it, I was in a suit. And I'm on the knees, 3 o'clock in the morning, and an employee of mine, it was a bar back, was video recording, I guess Snapchat, I don't really do social as much, but which I should. And um, he wrote a caption, everybody works, and he's like, that's why I respect you, that's why I love you, because you'll get on your knees at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you know, I help them bring tables in, I'll help them clean if I have to, I was plumbing... You know, uh, the toilet the other day, but it is what it is. You have to. I actually had a friend that saw you. I think this is at Uptown Beer Garden. You yeah. were actually plumbing. Yeah, there, the, right? this past week, yeah. right? You saw yeah. that? Someone like, saw that, yeah. The clogged toilet? Yeah, okay. in, the, in the women's bathroom at that. No I was like, yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right, so we have a lot to cover, and I know you're right in the middle of Beer Week. I was actually oh, looking. What, what, is, what is Beer Week? Yeah. So, Beer Week is probably, um, it's the biggest holiday for beer drinkers. I mean, it's... Beer Week is in Philadelphia, but I'm sure other cities have Beer Weeks. Um, our Beer Week, we have over 48 events that across the board of our, all our venues. So, Brew, Uban, Thin McCool's, Uptown Beer Garden, Cinder, everybody has a unique event. So, Cinder has a lot of uh, sour events because it's unique to Cinder. Uh, Brew, I mean, we have some German events, but a lot of IPA events. I mean, but we focus solely on a specific um, brand or company. So let's say it's Pizza Boy Brewery. The brewery will have a tap takeover at Uptown, for instance, because, you know, uh, we have our own, which I can get into later. Um, we make our, we actually brew beers with Pizza Boy Brewery. So then they'll oh, okay. come out and the brewers come out and it's actually an event. It's a cool event. 
Uh, people come from all over, from D.C., from New York, from, I mean, the suburbs. I mean, it, it's literally a holiday. And Uptown Beer Garden is uh, Philly Loves Beer, which runs which runs pretty much Philly uh, Beer Week. Okay. Um, we are the uh, the sponsor. We sponsor at Uptown Beer Garden, so everybody kind of, like, goes there. And, and are there specific beers that you only carry during the week at Uptown Beer Garden? Is that well, how it works? Yeah, well, during Beer Week, there's specific beers that... No, but we, we hold on to all year round for beer week. Oh, wow. Well, like, we have plenty of the younger, plenty of the elder. I mean, th- these are beers that you can't really get, yeah. you know, and we save them. Alex, director of operations, is he's brilliant. He knows how to, you know, get this stuff, first of all. The hardest thing is getting allocated to you. You can't just um, say, hey, uh, you know, beer company, a regular, for instance, I just, can you get me this beer? Well, it's not it's not allocated to, to a lot of the counts, but... You know, over the years, I think we've had a great rapport with them, okay. and that's kind of how we're able to. All right, so if people are familiar with who you are, and let's we can move on. And I appreciate you telling me yeah. all about Beer Week. Beer Week. Uh, if people are familiar with who you are, I think they're probably most familiar with you from Brew and Uban, yep. uh, which we'll yep. get to in, mm-hmm. in a second. But I was sure. hoping we could start at the beginning. Um, I believe you were truly self-made, and, and your hard work from a very early age eventually paid off, and it's still paying, and obviously paying off today. So, yep. where did you grow up? So I grew up in the Northeast, um, from Northeast Philadelphia originally. Um, the area where, where I lived, I lived at at the time, was beautiful. I mean, it was in the suburb, but it was you know nice road homes, nice neighborhood. Uh, now isn't the best of neighborhoods, but um, you know, we I grew up with great friends, great people. But we're from Greece originally. Okay. My family's from there. I was lucky enough to be born in America. Um, most likely conceived in Greece, but <laughs> just <laughs> You're um, yeah. Because um, it was the, the year my parents got married in Greece in 1979. I was born in 1980. So, um, but you know, growing up, I went to Spruance, uh School in the Northeast. Um, then we grew up uh, until I was 18. I lived in the same house. Uh, we actually lived with my grandparents initially because you know it was hard. There was a lot of people in one home. Okay. Um, it was my aunts, my my parents, my grandparents. You know, but your yeah, brothers and sisters. Um, I have two sisters. At the time, my sister wasn't born yet I'm the oldest so you know after I we bought my parents bought that their first house which was a huge milestone for us because you know immigrants coming to America didn't speak English and you know buying their first home it's huge you know I mean it's it's amazing so wait so they come to America they don't know English Mm -hmm. what brought them to America well so my father was um, he, he moved to Canada because my grandfather was sick. He closed that mic. Yeah. He was uh, my grandfather was really sick, so my grand my father, which was 16 at the time, went to Canada because a lot of people from Greece, from my town in Greece, were immigrating to Canada for some reason. Um, and you know, it's very, um, very in Laval especially, it's a lot of Greek speak people, Greek speaking people. So okay. it was comfor- comfortable for them to go there. And he was looking for work? Well, he was looking for work in order to pay for the hospital bills for my grandfather, which was deathly ill at the time. Unfortunately, he ended up passing away a few years later, but he would send the money back to, to Greece to kind of, you know, for any medical, which, I mean, especially at the time in Greece, medical was, you, get, you throw your you throw the guy on a donkey, you take him to the hospital, you hope the doctor's sitting and smoking a cigarette saying, oh, you'll be all right, you know, it's just... That's just how it was back then, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I didn't live those days. This is what I just I've told, the stories I've been told. But to make a long story short, with that, my, my mother and my father met. They got married in 1979. Um, my father kind of stayed back. My mother came um, to Philly. Um, my grandparents were already here, um, which immigrated as well. 
uh, we lived with them. My father flew, flew back into Philly for the first time a few months later, and then I was born a few months later after that. So I'm always like, I feel like this isn't talked about enough about people leaving their homeland. Like it's just yeah. amazing that the idea of leaving your homeland. And I don't just know how picking up and in, in, in an area going to an area you don't even know the language. Yeah. And just starting over, it's like, a, it's, 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 like, it's mm. incredible. And I feel like... And, and you know what's even crazier? My grandfather, my father's father-in-law, my mother's father, was looking for a job at the time when my father had come here. My father would just turn 21, I think, 22 maybe. And my father, my grandfather ended up getting a job cutting pies at Fisher's Tudor House in the Northeast. Okay. So well, when my father had come he didn't have a job so my grandfather actually gave him that job he never started he actually like said okay well you take the job that I was just gonna get because oh you married my daughter so my father came here with no English and was like a pie cutter he literally cut in the dessert you know yeah, yeah. and then um, is your father still alive yeah he's, uh, he's my partner oh yeah so does he know English now yeah he's, I mean over the years he became a bartender at, at um, and this is how this story actually comes comes into fruition like yeah. this whole my backstory is my father was a bartender at Fisher's Tudor House he, he I guess he was a good looking guy at the time ladies loved him they, they gave him a book they said learn English learn how to bartend and 17 years later he was still at Fisher's and I was a bartender I was a busboy at 13 at Fisher's um, I was working at Wawa at the same time uh, I'm sorry I'm lying to you I was 13 I was working at my aunt's restaurant called Athenian in Torresdale and Longshore I was uh, working two jobs at Fisher's Tudor House, and then by 16, I got a job at Wawa, so I was working three jobs at 16. So <laughs> And going to school. Obviously. And going to school, because otherwise my parents would get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> were you working three jobs because you were helping out with the family like, the, the, well, the, to, to pay bills, or nah, just because you had it in you? Yeah, I don't think. I, I was I was one of the, the nicer things, and like the first thing I was saving for was my, my Packard Bell computer, and I remember that I would sit on my bed my mom's bed at the end um, with her and she, we had this little this little gold purse that I had bought her for Christmas with her own money. I still remember these weird little little um, things and she would count the money with me when I'd get my paycheck because they would pay us in cash obviously it was like you know 13 years old dude. so yeah. I was saving it was like 30, 50, maybe 70 bucks a week you know and I, it, would, it would start adding up and I was looking I was trying to get a thousand dollars and it took me I don't know how long but I would sit on her bed every like Sunday and we would count the money from scratch, from the beginning to the end, every like, you know, every week, oh and God. then, um, and then the second after I got my first computer, the next thing was buy a car, right? At sixteen, so I was trying to save twenty five hundred dollars up, which is a huge thing, and I bought my first car, and then you know you start saving, so that's why I always had like extra job, more jobs than necessary. I wasn't working forty hours a week at the time, but yeah. I still had three jobs, you know. And no one else, they none of your friends had three jobs. Oh no, I mean, they were like, partying. Right, yeah. they're like Teddy. What are you like? What's going yeah. on with you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of one of those things. It's like you leave, you, you follow by example. You know, my parents were always working hard. My grandfather, my grand, all my grandparents worked hard. My uncles and aunts. So it wasn't weird to me, yeah. but it was also I also had a, six, a car at sixteen, and my friends didn't have cars at sixteen. They right. had to hitch rides with me. You know, oh so that was cool. I mean, you looking back at it, and I really like. It's one of the things you don't look, you don't think about it until it's brought up, and they're like, "Oh, you know what? That's kind of cool." You know? Yeah, totally. But then I started selling cell phones and beepers at, <laughs> um, at a beeper store next door to Wawa. They kind of like stole me. They they poached me because I would be the Wawa pizza, I mean, um, hoagie making guy, and they would come in and get hoagies. And then I became assistant manager, and then 
I moved the store to another location, became a manager by 19, and I just didn't want to work for somebody anymore. And uh, I was trying to go to school, I was trying to go to college, and college wasn't for me. I mean, I, I would literally be working so many hours because I had my other my two jobs, so I would like, fall asleep in the parking lot of school. So any tuition that I <laughs> yeah. I was paying was being was going to nothing, and it wasn't it wasn't a challenge for me too. I don't think school wasn't really much of a challenge at the time. I mean. Remember, I was I have really bad EBV, so I was couldn't pay attention to <laughs> passing tests and stuff. But you were focused. It seemed like at the, even at an early age, you were focused on making money. Oh yeah, you wanted to, it's, the idea of going to school and sitting there in class. Was, I couldn't do it. You, yeah, exactly. No. I always found a hustle. I, fig- I figured I had to to recreate my own. I would find old beepers and I would fix them up, and I would find out how to, to activate them on my own. And I had a hustle of my own. Yeah. You know, it was legal. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But um, I was making some extra money. I was nineteen years old. I was probably making I don't know a few few hundred bucks a week which was like I saw the green and school listen I'm not saying don't go to school school is the most important thing yeah. but I just it wasn't for me at the time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I mean a lot of people go to college for four years come out with a hundred thousand hundred thousand dollars a day and yeah. make thirty five thousand dollars a year that's you know? true that's the sad part yeah. unfortunately yeah, right. you have to pay those loans off yeah so alright so your father was a bartender mm-hmm. and he, where is he bartending well, at the time, my father was bartending. Like I said, he, he was at, still at Fisher's Tudor House in the Northeast. But then the Marriott Hotel was opening in Center City, Philadelphia. The first Marriott, 12th and Market. Okay. So I remember him saying that he was looking for a new job. And he, um, I went with them kind of like driving around. This was pre... I was probably at that time 6, 17-ish, around there. I don't remember what year it was. Whatever year Marriott opened. And I would, I would come with him, and he would go for a ride, and he would find, oh, you know, actually, I'm gonna let me back up a little bit. My sure. another job that we did was my father was trying to get into cleaning, like a cleaning company. So he went through the things, and him and I would go clean these banks uh, in Jenkintown. We did, we should do friendlies on Cotman and the Boulevard. We used to clean late night. Personally, so, per, like yeah, we would get he would be done work, I get done work, and I would jump in his car. And we would go and clean banks, clean yeah. restaurants, clean whatever we had to do to, to you know, to get by at the time. So you know, we look looking forward afterwards. Him and I were jumping in the car again, and now he's like, "Well, I'm going to find another job because the the neighborhood itself was kind of was going south at the time, and the restaurant wasn't doing as well as it was, you know, in the '80s and, and early '90s. So it was time for him to, to find to change. So we found the Marriott Hotel, and they actually hired him. And he was at the Marriott from the year that they opened till 2001, when we bought uh, Finn McCool's. All right, so 2001, you buy mm-hmm. Finn McCool's at 12th and Sansom. Yep. Was it operating as Finn McCool's at that time? It was. It okay, was. so it goes up for sale? It goes up for sale. Um, at the time, everything, that neighborhood wasn't the best of neighborhoods. I mean, there was a lot of prostitution. There was... Yeah, it was bad. I mean, there was fighting on the... There was it was gun, sh- gun shooting all the time. I'm telling you, it was bad. I had Craig Grossman on the pod last mm. week or a couple weeks ago um, who was in charge of leasing 13th Street. Yeah. He talk, talked all about how 13th Street was full of prostitution. It was oh, called the Red Light bad. District. It was. Yeah. It absolutely was. Okay. And, and you know what? Craig and Golden Properties, they actually... They, because of them, they helped the neighborhood gentrify, and I really owe a lot to them, um, because I I had a lot 
of belief in the neighborhood at the time because Center City was Rittenhouse, Old City was blowing up at the time. Um, you know, University City, not, I don't really remember much about, but 13th, 12th and Sansom, 13th, that whole corridor was just so bad. How couldn't Rittenhouse be thriving and how can Old City be thriving and in the middle be nothing? Yeah. The convention center was a block away. The Marriott was a block away. The Lowe's Hotel was opening the year we what we took over Finn McCool's. There was just a matter of time that something was going to happen there. I was too young to understand it, but I knew there was going to be potential you, you there. You felt it that there uh, was potential? I mean, two years in, at the time, I was like, wow, we're opening up a bar together? This is pretty <laughs> pretty cool, yeah. you know? Um, and but you guys were, I, I bartended. Okay. I, I bartended seven shifts, six days for probably for 12 years. I mean, so there's days where I didn't go home. But my dad was bartending next to me, and my dad actually kept the job at the Marriott for um, health benefits because we were new at this. And I was still bartending, I mean, um, selling cell phones at Smart Beep on Washington Boulevard. So we both had two jobs while we owned this restaurant and we were still bartending. Wow. It was tough, but... Yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was hard. I mean, I remember I was, I was the plumber, I was the electrician, I was the bartender, I was the, I was the cook. I was, at, you know, and so was he. I mean, I'm, I'm not, he worked, he was right there next to me the yeah, whole time, yeah. you know. All right, so you buy Finn McCool's and you guys are working side by side there. You buy it in 2001. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess for people that might not know what Finn McCool's is, I, I would kind of characterize it as a classic neighborhood bar, sure. sort of neighborhood pub. Yeah. It's right on the corner of 12th and Sansom, really exactly. cool place. Yeah. Um, I, I spent a lot of time there, probably <laughs> too much time. Uh, so you guys open this, you guys, you guys take it over, yeah. and I, it seems to be... It, was it doing better after you take it over? Well, at the time, it it wasn't doing that well. And that's why the owners um, had to sell it, obviously. There was three partners in it. There was a, a lot of theft going on within uh, amongst the partners. Um, there was two two specific guys that were great guys. And there was one guy, I obviously wouldn't mention any names, that I know for a fact that we kept on as a manager at the time that was stealing because he was there kind of as the um, the face of the place, but we actually caught him within a week trying to do what he was doing with them. He was there to teach us, you know, the operations at the time, and we caught him within a week, and I was like, dude, you know, you're out, you're yeah, gone. Yeah. And, but even, even though we owned it at the time, like, we still needed somebody, you can't just open up a bit, I mean, you know, take turnkey operation and say, hey, guys, cool, I'm running the show here, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he was out. We have to now figure everything out on our own. I didn't know the first thing about bartending. Oh my god! My father was a bartender, yes, but he also had his other job at the Marriott. I never ran a business before. I didn't know anything. All I know is whenever it would rain outside, it would rain inside because the building was like <laughs> above apartments that were from the 70s. Where there was a fire and it was condemned. The owner of the building at the time didn't do anything to help us. He didn't care. I mean, I understand because the rent wasn't high, but at the same time, you know help us out here yeah yeah so we lived with that for a long time uh five six five years six years until the building went up for sale um and we were at a bidding war because we had first right to refusal um with somebody from new york and we we at the for the time we overpaid for the building um because we had no choice to i think we paid almost double what it was on the market for because we were in this bidding war with the guy from New York because they they foresaw the gentrification of the neighborhood because uh, time, I'm sorry, I'm lying to you, it was Elvez. Before Elvez, it was called Trust. 
And when trust came, that was like our saving grace. I saw trust open and I was like, wow, they're putting this place on, on 13th and Sansom. This is going to be amazing. Trust didn't do well, mm-hmm. but it was still a big um, turning, turning point. Right? point. Yeah. Absolutely. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, and then luckily, um, Alves opened. And that was Star Run, and Star was obviously the restaurant tour, the legend in Philadelphia because sure. of Continental. And um, the next one, I forget what his next one was, but that Continental was huge. And then you opened up their Continental up in Rittenhouse. So, um, but Goldman Properties, Cabajiro opened up. Um, I know Marcin Val had a lot to do with the, you know, the restaurants. I think they opened up uh, another clothing store first on 13th Street, and then. That's kind of out, you know. Um, so things are improving. And, yes. Yeah. And uh, we started seeing it, but we didn't get an initial bump right away because 13th Street was the mecca. Yeah. You know, yeah. so then it, it took a little bit of a time before we were, we were, you know, getting on the map again because we're like, look at this. Like, great. Granted, everything is working out better for 13th Street in, the, in Midtown Village, which wasn't even called Midtown Village at the time. Right. But I remember actually I voted for Midtown Village as the name. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is before, way before. We had, like, neighborhood meetings and um, I voted for the the logos and stuff. It was cool to see that whole neighborhood you know, come into fruition because... Like I said before, it was something that people would walk around it. They wouldn't walk through it. Yeah, yeah, You know, but. Let's take a quick break right there so I can tell you about Run Avalon. RunAvalon.com is a brand new fitness apparel brand based in Avalon, New Jersey, down the shore. But you can only get their gear at RunAvalon.com. They will ship to anywhere in the U.S. for free. And if your order happens to be going to Seven Mile Island, they'll deliver it next day also for free. Run Avalon set out to create a fitness apparel brand that captures the spirit of those who relish in kicking up before kicking back. If you love running, yoga, boot camp, whatever your workout is, and you want to look and feel great while you're doing it, go to runavalon.com and pick up some of their gear. They also have a wonderful selection of casual apparel too. I actually have the long sleeve deck tee, which I wear to the beach. I also wear it on the deck at night, having a few beers. Um, So casual, active, Great gear, runavalon.com. So you own Fimicools. When do you start getting the urge for your next project? Like, what, How do you start thinking about that? So at the time, um, it, I was really interested in Old City. And I was six, 26 years old. There's a place at the time it was called Billy Wong's. was for sale. It was next door to Glam in Old City. Okay. I'm 26 years old. I think, wow, this is cool. I want to open up another bar. And Old City is the hot spot. We go there and we're negotiating leases with Ramir, which was a, um, a, they owned a lot of properties in Old City and Center City. So this is Second Street. Second Street, City. next door to where Glam to was, Glam, yeah, yeah uh, Blue Martini, on that strip. Yep. Right. So we put an offer in, the offer gets accepted. We we're, we have to go to closing in 30 days. Uh, Finn Pools, the building goes up for sale. At the same time, we're like, oh no, what do we do? I can't do both at the time. We were, you know, we, we saved enough money to do one project, but at the same time, we'd rather own the bricks than lease a, uh, a restaurant. Sure. So my attorney luckily found a loophole in our in the agreement that if they don't do something by the thirty day period, we can um, get out of the out of the agreement. And we we were sweating till the 29th day, the thirtieth day comes, or thirty first day comes, and we're out. Luckily. 
I was a little upset. Don't get me wrong. I was 26. I wanted to open up this cool <laughs> place in Old City, which was still thriving at the time. Um, build it. We buy the building instead. Fed up 12th and Sansom. Two years later, Old City starts going south. Wow. It was... I look back at one of the best things that ever happened to me because I would still be stuck with this lease that at the time was crazy high. Could have crippled you. Seriously. Oh, it would have ruined our career. Yeah. It would have ruined us. Um, so one of the best things, blessing in disguise, right? Seriously. Building was up for sale. So then I mean, we purchase it. We want to renovate it now. 2007, summer comes around. Um, we're about to close for renovations after we got all the plans. And... Ludwig's, which was on um, 11th, I'm sorry, 13th, Juniper, between Juniper and 13th on Sansom Street, is uh, a friend of ours. His name is Paul, who's the owner of it. Ludwig's is a great place, busy. Uh, Paul was a regular at, at, Brew, at Finn's, and he says, um, I say to him, hey, listen, I'm going to be out of work. Do you mind if I work for you at the one bar of Ludwig's that's closed a lot of times. It's only open the weekends, but I said, I'll bring my clientele to you up on that side of the bar. Ted, you can't even stop it. Take a break <laughs> from working while um, I was in there. <laughs> I, had, I had my first son at the time. I had to. There's no choice, right? right? Okay, so we had to renovate the building, you know? And who's going to pay for all this stuff? Yeah. So I get... And I also didn't want to lose my customers, my regulars, because I was bartending every day. So... He says, sure, you know what? I'll make it little from the cool. So I opened that bar up myself. It's open six days, seven days a week. I start bartending. It's every day except for Saturday and Sunday because I got a job at the Crystal Tea Room bartending as well. So I was working essentially seven days um, because, you know, we also were renovating a, a center city building, putting apartments upstairs, second level bar, first level bar, kitchen in the basement. This was a big project. This is, we didn't know where we could have, where we were going to fund this thing. So my dad was working, I was working, other jobs. We were still on project managers of the job at the same time. Brew, I'm sorry, I keep saying brew. Finn's opens um, in 2008, around February. We didn't open up the uh, apartments yet because we just really didn't have time to finish them. And Finn's just takes off. All the <laughs> customers from um, Ludwig's then start coming to uh, to Finn McCool's because they coming got to back. know me. Yeah, and oh, yeah. and you guys and their own. Yeah, their own. and they kind of. It, I feel bad for that, but at the same time, they did well while I was there, and I didn't poach any poach any customers. Yeah, it just kind of evolved as like, you know, I was kind of managing at the time, I guess, but I wasn't a manager at Ludwig's. You know, I would pick up the liquor, I would op, do whatever I could to make sure. that place thrive, and it did well. But then they closed a few months later. Oh wow. Not, maybe not even a few, maybe like two months later or like a month later, um, which which worked out for Jason or time, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it kind of sucked for the neighborhood because I thought that was a great idea. But I, I, I grew to love the, the German culture and the beers and the food. And I was like, this is a great concept. Oh, and it was wow. closed, right? So then... I never knew this. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's where you learn about the German mm -hmm. beer garden concept yeah. or German concepts initially. Yep, okay. Exactly. And then I was looking for another location to another bar. The old city thing didn't work out, but I didn't want to jump right into it because we had just renovated the building, you know? I don't want to put myself into a situation that would hurt in the future. So it worked 2008, 9, 10, 11, and then at the same time, I couldn't find a good broker. Um, and I call a phone number for Metro Commercial. Uh, that's a nice little plug there. And... Um, <laughs> I get a guy named Lars Kirstein, and 
Lars, uh, I guess young aggressive guy too, actually it's like you know what let's you know let's find you something. I found uh, the building on 13th and Chestnut between Juniper and 13th on Chestnut Street. It was a Mitchell and Ness at the time, where it just closed from being Mitchell and Ness, which they moved. And he he showed it to me for somebody else. It wasn't even for me. I was trying to looking for something for myself, but I, I don't think that that block of Chestnut was desolate at the time. Yeah, there was nothing there. You know, it was like Olive Garden. And yeah, that's it, right? That's yeah. it. There yeah. was. I mean, I think Fogo might have just opened right before that. Okay. Um, yeah. which is great, but Fogo is like. Uh, Everybody goes to Fogo. It's, I mean, you could, you could put Fogo, you know, in, in Mars, who are going to go to it. It's just like, <laughs> the place is like, it just prints money. So, um, it was a big risk, but I looked at the location, and I think you were there. Yeah, so I, I haven't actually talked about what I do for a living, but I, so I'm a real estate broker, and I was actually with Teddy uh, when, when he looked at 1326 Chestnut Street, which is now Brew, yeah. for the first time. Uh, it was a vacant space, as he talks about, and we were walking through the space, and he was looking at the space, and he said, what's there in the back? Where does that back door go? And I responded, oh, that's just the alleyway. That's how you'll load. Nothing back there. And he said, well, let's go back there. And he opens the door. And he looks at us. And he goes, this is McGillan's. The McGillan's is right there. This is the alley to, to where you would enter McGillan's. Why, why don't I open this up? This is it. This is, this is what this, this space yeah, should be. Exactly. And yeah. we're, here I am and, and my colleague marketing this space, and we didn't even think of the fact that you could actually open this space up and make it something special. Mm-hmm. And Teddy had that vision. I know I'm yeah. sort of kissing and your ass right no, now. But no, it's not You that had at the all. vision just, and it worked. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, I don't, we weren't there to steal customers from everybody, but I would always want a restaurant next to me. Mm-hmm. And that's just how. That, if I open up a restaurant anywhere and there's nobody else on that same block, I think that I would want somebody else to be next to me anyway, you know? You want to create so, a place. Of course. Yeah. You wanna, there's a destination, right? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how it was received initially when another bar was going to go on that block because we have two entrances, obviously. Through, we, there's a lot of work. We had to reinforce the building to open those garage doors and then the entrance on, on Drury Street. Our, move up a little bit. Just yeah, our main entrance is on chestnut but that's just another entrance and then you're just creating a corridor to J- Drury from chestnut sure which if, if you were walking by chestnut you wouldn't know existed but now you can see right through our, our space yeah, yeah. Um, so you had this idea for the beer, German beer garden yep. you, so you, you lease the space at brew obviously and you open and you open the back out to Drury yep. Yep. it seems like when it opened it was immediately a hit I, remember I couldn't believe it you couldn't no I well, could not believe it well, yeah. okay. we, we opened we were pushing to get open for St. Patrick's Day what for year was this? 2013 okay. so we started construction in 2012 um, I wanted to be open up obviously everybody thinks construction takes oh I'll be open in three months it's not ever the case but we were pushing to be open at least for uh, for St. Patrick's Day, which is obviously the biggest holiday for fans and for any Irish bars in our city. Yeah. So what better advertising than open up on St. Patrick's Day when McGillan's has a line right. down Drury Street? We didn't have a sign. We didn't have a credit card machine. We didn't have... Um, we had six beers on draft instead of our 40 that we have now. I mean, we didn't have managers in place. And we... Um, we did great. Nobody knew who we are. We were. There was no media about it yet. 
no information, no sign, nothing. There's probably something cool about that. But it was, like, yeah, yeah, and you like, know what? That's oh, actually kind of cool, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So people people in line at McGillan's are like, hey, what's this? Oh, what's this what? place? Yeah, and we pulled up. Okay. We we killed it that day. Those two days, it was that weekend. We opened on Friday and Saturday, and even Sunday. But then we closed Monday to, to like, catch our bearings and see, what are we doing here? Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so then, so then Cinder. Cinder. So, actually... Before Cinder was Uptown Beer Garden. Okay, so yeah. so Uptown Beer Garden. I'm not sure if everyone knows what that is. I mean, that that's probably uh, it's. I'm, I've been out of the game for a little while, and mm-hmm. it seems to be um, there's certainly a younger crowd. I would imagine at this. Well, it's garden. actually young professionals, so it's not really. Believe it or not, if you go there on a, a weekday or even even during sips, everybody's in a suit. It's business casual, but oh, wow. um, families on the weekends. It's the perception of of Uptown is sips. It's, we're not just sips. We have sips is a big thing for us yeah. on Wednesdays, but our business is six days a week, and the majority of it is people from Comcast Center, from Mellon Bank, Mellon B and Y, from the neighborhood. I mean, we're in the business district. I right, mean, Uptown Beer Garden is yeah. right across the street from the Comcast Center. Correct. Okay. Yeah. On, on JFK. Mm-hmm. Is there an entrance off of Market too? Uh, on Market as well. Yeah. So we're in, we're seventeen thirty five Market Street is our exact address. So. We, we thrive on young professionals. Uh, you know, there's law firms that have happy hours daily with us. I mean, we're 9,000 square feet, so wow. it's, uh, it's, well, it's massive. How, how much is it open? Like, when, from um, when to when? It's open, how, how much time? We yeah. open in May, we close in October. Okay, wow. So it's a, a solid six months, you know? The issue is we have to rebuild it every year. We have to break it down, and then we rebuild it. Break it down, take it all out? Everything's got to come out. Where does it go? Yeah, we built a huge um, warehouse shed thing at uh, one of our properties that we own in, uh, like near Fort Washington. Okay, you so store it all there. We store it all there, and we bring it back, and wow. we have to rebuild it. Yeah, a lot of the stuff we built, I built myself, like bars and tables with and, your own hands. Yeah, I, I do all that stuff. <laughs> I, yeah, a lot. Like I said, I'm an electrician, I'm a plumber, I'm a, whatever. Yeah. So that's another success story. So you opened that. That's super successful. Yeah, it's been great. All right, and then now, then I guess after that, you see you uh, find so, the space on on Locust between fifteenth and sixteenth. Yeah. So I loved that neighborhood, and I was like, I want a location there, and we found the location that is now the liquor store across from Cinder, but that was seventy five, seventy eight hundred square feet. Yeah. And it was gonna be a big project, and I didn't know if I was if it was for me. So I didn't pursue it. Then that other project, I mean, that other building was a deli. And and I walked in, and uh, it was just, oh, man, I did not want anything to do with it at the time. I was like, this place is, it's a deli. It's cold. It's, it's like low ceilings. It's like tight. Tight, yeah. Being yeah, really like, it was bad. Felt, yeah. And then, felt claustrophobic mm-hmm, almost. Yeah. Very much so. Um, and then I just saw the vision. I looked at it, looked into it. I said, you know what? We would put something really cool here. And again, that evolved as well. Our concept kind of evolved to sours, ciders, um, and the pizza oven, which is cool. And you know, throw. P- I mean, we're not just pizza place. We're um, you know, small plates, charcuterie, and yeah. high-end pizza. So next, you're working on, and it just came out, I guess, a couple weeks ago yeah. in the news. Tradesmen's. Tradesmen, yeah. Tradesmen's. Mm-hmm. So where is that, and what, what is that concept? So. Directly next door to Bruno Bon, um, there was a another deli. I I thought of putting something there. I thought about buying their leases out um, a while ago, 
but I just said, you know what, right now I don't want to jump into something right away. Um, so let me just look at something smaller like Cinder. When I found out about that lease being up soon, I found out, I think, in the summertime of 2016. And January 1, it was going to be available. So I had the lease ready to go. The landlord, luckily, was the same landlord that owns our properties here. Oh, good. Okay, so this is at the corner of uh, Juniper and Chestnut. Correct. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I looked into the history of the building, and it was underutilized. There was a vault in the basement that still exists, which is remarkable. I mean, it's wow. we're going to bring it back to life. There's um, huge vaulted ceilings in the, in the lower level in the basement because there used to be bank tellers down there. Okay. From the late 1800s, early 1900s, when um, Tradesman's Trust was there, which was where our name evolved from, Tradesman's. Um, and then there was plans to do a 19-story building there, which never came to fruition because the uh, company, I think, went bankrupt or was bought out by PNC, which is still exists, obviously, at the bank. Sure. So um, a lot of the elements, the ceilings, there was a lot of really cool elements that the banks had in place that were never, like I said, they were under underutilized because the deli kit comes in and it was all like refrigeration, a back room kitchen, a small area for uh, for you to eat, um, any buffet style food that you would have brought bought from um, from the front, but there was a huge basement, huge uh, mezzanine. Um, the ceiling never, I never knew, even knew existed, even though I walked in there a million times to get, you know, a bottle of water or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when I, when I saw it, I was, it was, I felt like, I saw angels. It was amazing. It was beautiful. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Because um, we're not used to that. Our, all our spaces thus far were all condemned buildings. Um, pretty much, Finn's was falling apart. Uh, Cinder was a parking lot basement uh, <laughs> garage, you know, under the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, Finn's, uh, I'm sorry, Brew was Mitchell Ness, but it was just, you know, four walls. Um, that was an old clothing store. So there's no, like, unique elements to any. And then Uban was just, uh, you know, like I said, a, de- a desolate basement. So. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be barbecues. It's going to be barbecue is the, the cuisine. Mm-hmm. And craft beer, whiskey. Yeah. Barbecues and burgers. Barbecue, okay. Burgers is something that I think uh, Midtown Village doesn't really have. Yeah, you're right. So uh, there's nowhere to get a good burger around here. Other than going to a restaurant, I'm sure they have good burgers, but to be known for it. So we're doing barbecue. We're doing craft beers. We're doing a, a small whiskey bar up, upstairs with over 100 some whiskeys from all over the world. Wow. Our, <clears throat> we're doing um, craft beer, like I said. Uh, we're some unique, really cool stuff for the lower level. When are you shooting to open this? Um, <laughs> Speaking about construction again, I'd love to be open by November, December, but I don't foresee that. If I can be open 2017, that would be ideal. But you know, that's I don't know how lucky that is. Okay. There's a segment at the end that I do where I just run through quickly three or four questions, sure. uh, which are number one: What's your favorite restaurant in Philadelphia? Non-Teddy restaurant right now that you would go? Zahav. Zahav. Yeah. So if you want to go to dinner, you want to. I love Zahab. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Still now. Still, I, I mean, I'm, we're Greek. It's not. It's not a Greek question at all by any means. But I think it has a lot of Greek elements, and I think it's cool and very unique. I'm not afraid to try things, and I think I mean you can get some very unique things there. The that, flavors there are. I know. Are it's crazy. So unique to that. Yeah. I mean, you don't taste them anywhere else. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so Zahab, a favorite bar to grab a drink, non-Teddy. Non-Teddy favorite bar to grab <laughs> a drink. 
Hmm, that's an interesting one. Um, or you can change it if you want to make it a Teddy restaurant. No, I don't. I don't because I prefer not to drink. In, I actually don't drink in my own restaurants. Okay. Um, I do. So, yeah, <laughs> a, as long as you do. Um, I, I'm gonna say monks. Monks. Yeah. Okay. Monks is is they have a great beer selection. I learned a lot from their beer selection, and their food's good too. So it, it's got to be there. Yeah. Well, Teddy, I, I thank you so much for your time. Yeah. You, you're so busy. Your beer week. Yeah. I, I can. I'm, we're at Brew right now, and in mm. Uban, and we hear everything that's going on. It's so super busy right now, and I appreciate your time. You're doing so much for Philadelphia. Thank you. Thank you. And you're really changing the city for good. And I appreciate your time. I thank appreciate you. Appreciate. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.